it is Dan Doherty, who scored plenty of penalties in the past, but not as significant as this. Hi folks, big warm welcome to you wherever you are. This is the, uh, the third Korean podcast uh, and it's been great to hear so many nice comments and feedback about what we've been doing and hope, hope to continue doing throughout the season. Uh, especially a big welcome I suppose to your exiled bandsiders uh, across the world of which I know there are plenty. So a uh, big shout out to those guys across the world. Uh, needless to say, guys, it's been a, another mad week for Oren and the players with games against Carrick Rangers, Warren Pound Town and Portadown all in the space of seven days. Um, and that's really an indication of how the, the Danska Bank Premiership is, is rattling along here. Um, it's the only show in town, as we all know, as far as sport is concerned, mid-pandemic. So, uh, And the good thing from our point of view as football fans is that it's certainly not letting anybody down at the minute. We've got potentially one of the tightest title races in years. And the great thing for us is that Korean is right bang in the middle of it. So all that said, we've got plenty to talk about, so we'll, we'll get started. I'm your host, Damien Mullen, and with me this evening are two guys who need very little introduction. So we won't give them any. Uh, suffice to say that Big Stevie is back, Stephen Cropper, he's back again. While making his debut appearance for us in the Bandsiders on the podcast, at least, is Aaron O'Neill. Diving champion of 2017 and a late sub for Johnny McNabb, who has failed to make this week's team. So, later in the podcast, we'll also be joined by a former Korean midfielder, Neil McCafferty, and he'll give us his thoughts on the title race and hopefully share some of his memories, good and bad probably, from his time at the showgrounds. So, how are we guys? Aaron, Stephen, how's things? All good, Dave. Not too bad, dear. All, uh, all busy. Stephen, did I see you out pounding the streets there the last couple I of days? Have, uh, What's all that? I've signed up to uh, march the month for prostate cancer, uh, 11,000 steps a day. So as soon as we, we get this in the can tonight, I'll be out <laughs> in the streets of Korean, you know, marching around trying to get my steps up for the day. So yeah, all for how a long, How long would that take you, Stephen, to do 11,000 steps? Ah, the last couple of mornings there, it's been just over a bit, an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, so no, not too bad. bad. We, we route worked out, so that's Very uh, good. A bit of motivation to get out of the house during the current lockdown. And what about money? How much are you hoping to, to, to raise, Stephen? I've set a target of £500, so uh, if anybody, I'm sorry, halfway point at the minute, which is good, I've only three days on it. so if anybody would like to donate to the, to the worthy causes, I say, you can check me out on Twitter or Facebook, the links are there. Really Any, anybody, it's easy in the way, just throw a few pounds in your bucket. Do you have a bucket? Uh, <laughs> I don't need to be starting that. I have enough to cry right now. <laughs> but uh, what about you, Aaron? You're, what about the, did I see you out the bank, maybe? I just um, sort of trying to keep myself busy, getting uh, match highlights programs and uh, match stuff put together. So, Thankfully, with all the games coming thick and fast, you know, it's quite a hectic schedule, but sure, what else would you be doing? Well, that, you mentioned that, and that's going really well, the, the TV thing, isn't it? I think, you know, the, the streaming's proven very, very popular, and you're doing a good job yourself. I think James Wilkie taught you well, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Um, sort of took over the mantle from James last summer um, after he decided to up sticks and move off to London, and thankfully I've been able to 
calling the services of David Cavan more than once, you know, when I've um, maybe not known what to do or what direction to go in, but no, it's been going well. Um, I think the fans are happy with how the stream's uh, going at this stage and long may it continue. I know, it, when you think about it, actually, it's crazy because with no fans of the games, if you didn't have the live streams, it would be, be, be a very tough out season for, for, for supporters, not only at Korean, but of all the clubs who all provide their streaming services, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, and I suppose Irish League clubs can take a lot of credit for uh, sort of stepping up and putting the service in place for their fans. Um, I know ours is quite keenly priced at £7. And when you look back at it and see the content you're getting and the players and people that are, you know, working around the club, maybe a wee bit of um, a look into things, how they go behind the scenes, you know, it's, it's definitely bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that possibly we would never have known about before the pandemic, I suppose. So, anyway, as I said, we've got a busy programme to get on with here. Uh, and So, let's get started. And we'll start. I got told off last week for ignoring the Saturday game. Uh, that was the scoreless draw away at Linfield. So, we're going to kick off this week with a look back at the 2 1 win over One Point Town just at the weekend. And I think it's safe to say it wasn't the greatest of games, but I, I, I'm guessing at this stage, it's simply a matter of ticking the games off, banking the three points and, and moving on. What do you think, Aaron? Would, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would definitely agree, Damien. You know, it's uh, when you're not playing the best and picking up three points, I suppose that's all that anybody, you know, can sort of ask for. Korean have, you know, struggled in the past against some of the teams in the bottom six. So it's always nice to get in there and get the points on the board. Although, in my opinion, it was quite hard fought at times. Warren Point piled on the pressure and, they had a great chance um, from Brandon Doyle, and luckily, you know, Garth Dean was on hand to make that superb double save. But I think Warren Point will surprise a few. You know, they have good players, they have a decent coaching staff, and uh, Gavin Dykes and Rodney McGarry with Barry Gray at the helm. You know, and I always um, like Barry as a manager. I think he's very honest, wears his heart in his sleeve, and you can see his passion. Um, last week, they brought on Adam Evans off the bench. You know, he looked dangerous and. Um, Alan O'Sullivan was also a second-half substitute, and Korean fans will remember him for ending that 50-game unbeaten run last November. So, you know, they'll surprise a few, but at the end of the day, it's all about us, and it's all about um, Korean getting the job done and getting the points on the board. Uh, Stephen, Aaron mentioned an unbeaten run there, and I think it's fair, if I remember rightly, the turnaround in Korean's season really could be... The, the, the previous game at home to Warren Point Town in December time, uh, Stuart Nixon scored an added time that day and they haven't been beaten since. So it's quite a change in fortune. What, what would you put that down to, Stephen? Is there anything in particular that you could pinpoint? I think confidence is a big thing, Dee. Yeah, I think when you're, when you're playing sport and you're going through a bit of a rut, everything seems to be so much harder. Like Your passes aren't coming off the... Your, your chances at goal, you're snatching at them and you're not taking them. Whereas that one really seemed to give everybody a lift. I think we were talking last week with Evan and he was saying the manner of the one. You know, if you go out and won 3-0, it's, you nearly come complacent. But because it was a last gas winner, it just seemed to give everybody that lift. And from then on, they've just clicked in the gear. And I think getting a settled team has probably helped. Although Orrin has rotated it a lot and he's had to rotate it in the last month or so. But... It, the defence was changing in so much because of injuries and suspensions and that's settled in there now and Garth Dean's performing so well at the minute and 
you just don't look like you're going to concede too many. That's uh, the goalkeepers' union and you. Oh, definitely. Out, I, think, <laughs> I noticed somebody had posted on social media just I think yesterday or today. There was a screenshot of the league table on December the 11th, mm-hmm. and at that stage, Korean were third bottom in the league with seven points. And you know, there were 19 points behind the then league leaders, Larn, who had 26 points. But that's a hell of a turnaround by anybody's standards. It's unbelievable. Like I think everybody was starting to get a wee bit dirty then, even though there was only a you know a small amount of games played. But you just start to think we don't want to be down here. We're too good a team to be there. But you have to give the credit to the players and the, and the manager and the coaching staff for the way they've turned around and they've just become relentless. You know what I mean? They've hunted it down the top and they've been sitting now two points behind the league leaders. It's just phenomenal. Uh, and and Aaron, I suppose it always helps you if you get an informed striker like in the manner of a, a Curtis Allen. He, uh, I suppose people maybe questioned him at the start of the season, but certainly his performances in, in the last week, two goals against Carrick, two goals against Warren Point Town, and those could be the difference come the end of the season, those six points. Yeah, definitely. You know, Curtis was, I suppose he was cast out into the dark there for a few weeks, and people were sort of questioning him um, as a player and what had he got, but I suppose it showed as testament to him that he popped up with four goals and you know, in a week that could be could define our season. You know, games where probably didn't uh, play the best and didn't really create much. Curtis popped up and showed his classes. You know, we all knew that was there from his first spell at the club and his time at Glentorn. You know, you don't become a bad player, or a bad team overnight. So, I think you know, Warren will be happy to have someone like Curtis that he can call on. You know, because of. Fit Curtis Allen's probably as as good as there is at the club in terms of finishing. And I suppose, Stephen, for as much as Oren is thankful for the performance of, of uh, Curtis Allen against Warren Point, he would be equally as delighted with the performance of Ben Doherty against Portadown uh, just on Tuesday evening. Again, another guy that hasn't featured much this year because of injury. He broke his collarbone, obviously, but you have a guy like that come back his first start of the season and scored two penalties. And that's quite a lift, Stephen, for, for a team to have a guy like that coming back in. Definitely. Pinaldo, I think he's... Is this his Brazilian, Brazilian <laughs> name? By oh, who came up with that? <laughs> huh? social, no, that social you? media. I'll not take credit for that. Oh, it was funny, when I was chatting to the Port of Down boys last week, they were, uh, they were asking when Ben was back because one of the guys had him on his fantasy team. And I uh, was keeping it under my hat so that you know it was coming soon. And they were like, as long as he doesn't play against Portadown, and then lo and behold, there plays, scores two goals. And that's what Ben does. Like I know he scored two penalties, but he just has an eye for goal and he's a, a midfielder, gets under the box and just seems to pop up the right time. And I think that's key. If you're going to win titles, you need midfielders chipping in with goals. So you do you can't put it all on the strikers. Yeah, I mean, I was looking there today, and I think our old friend Marshall Gillespie, the statistician, put it up that uh I think Ben is the leading scorer in the Danske Bank Premiership. He's got 12 goals. Uh, and he's actually ahead of people like Ryan Curran, Shea Lavery, Andrew Waterworth, who all have 11 goals. So that's some going for a midfielder, Stephen. That's fantastic. And I know people say he always scores penalties, but you still have to put the ball in the back of the net. You know what I mean? <laughs> a penalty's not a given. So, and he's got great technique. The two last night I thought were, were fantastic. He just put his th- foot through the ball. And for someone that had been out for eight weeks, you know, that takes a lot of nerve to step up and put them, put them away like he did. Well, um, Aaron, coming to you, the game was similar in many ways to the Warren Point Town game because Corian didn't have things all their own way either. And particularly in that first half, Portadown caused Corian plenty of problems. 
Yeah, um, they definitely did. Damien Corrine uh, took a while to sort of settle. And I suppose the, maybe the defensive partnership at the uh, centre-half with Aaron Canning and Howard Beverly, maybe a few wee teething problems early yeah. on. The two lads recovered well. I, I thought towards the end of the game they seen it out well. But Corrine, or, or for Porto Down, it was a, a free one, essentially, because you know they were getting the ball up. Um, Adam Sally and Lee Bonus were causing a lot of problems getting in behind us. Um, but you know, Orn read the right act of the the boys during the first half, and thankfully after the break, Korean seemed to settle down. And you know, I thought in the second half they were comfortable enough at times. Yeah, and and Ben's second penalty really, I suppose, put the the seal on the game towards the end. And it was interesting, like we we talked to the players afterwards and chatting to Ben after the game, and he kind of acknowledged that Korean were up there challenging and. He admitted that you can't ignore what people are saying at work and among his peers, etc. It's interesting, I think, in fact, that we can hear what he had to say after after his two goals on Tuesday night. There's hype and it's social media these days. It's not it's not hard to avoid it. You see it everywhere you look or you go to work and there's people saying, oh, these are flying, blah, blah, blah. But that's the same people then that'll cane you whenever it's down. So we can't, we have to, we take the highs with the highs and the lows with the lows. But... We won't get carried away and we'll keep our feet in the ground and we'll just keep moving on to the next game. Um, we don't look too far ahead of ourselves because you'll end up getting shot in the foot then and it'll, it'll get away from you in that sort of sense. And It can become overwhelming but I don't think we're going to let that happen and we'll, we'll just keep let, we'll just keep racking in the three points. It's interesting because his manager, Orn, doesn't usually give as much away. And do you, I mean, do you believe Orn when he says he doesn't really look at the league table, Aaron? Um. Obviously, I'm sure he he does he does his homework and has, he does have to look at it a wee bit. But you know, we've been here before when we went and runs, and Warren is always very crafty at playing the game. It's only one game at a time. It's one, it's three points, and it's nothing more, you know. And it's I suppose it's all about the way you spin it. Um, but it keeps the players grounded, and you know, you just hope that they don't get too ahead of themselves and, and we can keep going because, you know, we've proved that even as a part-time club, we can mix it up with the best of them. You know, we're two points behind Linfield now, sort of edging towards the home straight. So hopefully, you know, we can keep it going and who knows. He's a master at playing the straight bat, isn't he, Owen? But we were talking, rightly so, a lot about uh, Ben, ben Doherty and his goal scoring, but... Talking of uh, goal-scoring midfielders, it's time to welcome this week's special guest, a man who scored 18 goals in 92 appearances for the Bandsiders in a three-year spell between 2014 and 2017. So, Lynn McCaffrey, how's it going? All good. I've enjoyed listening to your conversation there and just shows you where the club has, has gone since I've left. So, obviously, I was the thing holding them back the three years I was there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't say that. But like before we talk about that, we just how are you getting on? I mean, what's your current situation? Are you are you playing, Neil? Or are you involved or coaching in the game? What 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 are you at at the moment? No, I no playing anymore. Uh, obviously, I left Coleraine. I think I was turning thirty three that summer, and then I signed with Warren Point with Tippy, and I think I played maybe twelve or thirteen games and tore me ACL at Solitude against Cliftonville and. Knowing the injury and knowing the period of coming back, you're talking a year and I'm 30. At that day, that minute that it happened, I decided that's me. I was done. So I walked out the door and I've never been on an Irish league 
pitch again and I was happy enough. I was ready for it anyway. I knew myself. Sometimes people can play a little bit longer, like Uncle Doogie up to 50, but some <laughs> bodies, some bodies give up a little bit quicker and mine still, was one of them. Still going strong. But, um, you know, you had a good career yourself. I mean, you talk about Doogie and you finished at 33. Uh, I mean, I was looking there, your, your career started like 20, 20 years ago at Charlton Athletic uh, as a teenager. I mean, what, what was it like for you, I mean, going back then, moving from Derry over to London at such a young age? That must have been difficult. Yeah, it was, but I was, the thing with me is I was on, I started going on trials to England, and you know you're not allowed to do it now from the age of 10, because my, bro, my older brother actually went to England as a footballer to Peterborough United, so he was going, and then I, I was going, I was five years younger than him, and then I was going on trial to a lot of clubs in England constantly. So by the time it came round, I knew I was going probably from 13 that I'm going to be going to England. It was quite obvious. And the, the day that I left, I loved it. I never looked back and I enjoyed every every moment I was there. And my sister lived in London at the time, which was a big, big help. So at least at the weekends and stuff, I could go and visit family, which was massive. Yeah, because I was going to ask, why why Charlton? You know, you, you'd been in trials with various other clubs. What, what was it that impressed you about Charlton? The club initially, but... The club was great, you know, I was the first ever Irish boy that they signed on, on a YTS scheme. I know Michael Carvel and Mikhail Kennedy and a few other Irish boys came after me, but I was the first one actually to go over. But the club was great. I loved the club at the time. They were Premier League every year when I was there. Alan Kirbysley, they finished seventh in the Premier League. When you look at the Premier League wow. now, it's astonishing. I think two years in a row, they finished seventh. They had players like Scott Parker and... Jason Ewell, no top players at that time in the Premier League. Um, but my sister living in London was also a big thing that at least I knew I had a family member there that could help me if I needed it. And I was reading as well that you, you one of your first earlier games for Charlton, 16 years old, you were on the bench for Charlton at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Was, yeah, that, no. was, that, a, was that a pinch me moment for you, Neil? Yeah, it was, of course. I think when you go over a young lad from Derry and, and I grew up in Gaelia, I didn't really have any fear or anything. I went over and I started in the youth team like every kid does. And then nine months, you know, by Christmas, I was training with the reserves. And by April that year, I was training with the first team and the manager decided to take me to Old Trafford. Looking back now, I think it's surreal at this age. But I think at 16, I didn't even really know you're walking out the tunnel with Van Nistelrooy and Beckham and people like that but at that time I just thought it was maybe going to this is going to be my life and normal tried to take it me straight looking back now it's a bit surreal right, but as you say when you're 16 you don't know any different do you and you just think this no. is the way it's going to be and this is it and uh, you don't think anything off it but you were charting but then you had a number of other clubs as well I suppose and you know you had a lot of good clubs in England and then and, and, and both sides of the border of Ireland as well so what was that like where were, you, where were you happiest in those years? Um, I think initially when you're in England, you, you know, you'll see you see it in the Irish League, a lot of boys. I think I came back at maybe 22 and signed for Derry City. And I think it kind of hit me hard looking back at it now, maybe for a couple of years. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Did I really want this anymore? And I, I was at Derry for a year and a half, picked up an injury. Didn't play as much as I would like. I actually went back to England then and played in the, in the conference for six months and I loved it full-time training again, played every week. And that sort of gave me the, the real hunger for it again. And then I came back, signed for Fun Harps, played there for a while. And then I eventually went under the, I think it was 24 when I started in the Irish League at Dungannon. But all clubs are different. You know, I think 
playing for Derry was nice, playing for your hometown and obviously big club and you, everybody always wants to play for their hometown club and me being there, that was nice. And in Irish league terms, I always say that I really enjoyed my year and a half at Dungannon. It was a fantastic club. Very similar to Coleraine Provincial Club and the, the people treat you really well. I didn't really want to leave Dungannon, but I thought for my career, if I wanted to try and win something or wanted to move on and push in the top half of the league, I had to go and I ended up going to Portadown for four years. And then I really, really enjoyed my time at Coleraine as well. I thought three years I was there. Obviously, the first year was outstanding for myself personally. Um, I knew the young boys were coming and they just needed a year or two years to develop. And, and now you can see the fruits of, of what Owen had to do. You had to give them games to get them where they are now. And that's why the team and the club is doing so well. Mm-hmm. Arne, Stephen, anything there that you would you want to hear from Neil about? Just Neil, you're missing there about, you know, obviously being there as, as Oren took over and the young players coming through. Did you ever see things progressing? They turn Corian into title contenders? Because always, you know, it's struggled to bring silverware in, but now they are there competing every year for silverware. Oh, you could definitely see it. I think that the last year I was there, obviously we got to the Irish Cup final, mm-hmm. got beat convincingly by Linfield, but, you know, we, Oren was playing... Adam Mullen and Lyndon Kane and Brad Lyons, these 18-year-olds every single week. And, and, and he knew that they just needed to play for a year, 18 months, two years, and, and they will develop. And he could see it, and that's why he's such a good manager. I don't think the fans could see it at times the first year I was <laughs> yeah. there, maybe a year, two tough. years. It was tough because you have to build something, and that's what Oren's done. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. Corey don't have the money to go pick Linfield's players or the money at Larne or Glen Torn have. So we had to build it, give players a chance to develop, and that's what he's done. And Oren definitely could see it. I could see it too. Even my last year there, I could see that Linfield, that London was turning into a top right back in the league. Brad Lyons was starting to become one of the best midfielders in the league. Adam Mullen was excellent. And then he added, what he'd done is he added two or three each year of quality, like Josh Kirsten, Stevie Lowry coming back, like Skinner up front. You know, and that's what you have to do. And obviously, that's what he's done. And, and now you, he's starting to get the fruits of it. Like. Uh, you, you mentioned there Stevie Larry. I think Stevie was uh, was your period that Corey M didn't, didn't cross over. But Stevie's really now, he, he's developed like a fine wine. He's one of the best midfielders in there, is he, at the minute. How highly do you rate him, Neil? Oh, it's, Stevie's excellent. Obviously, we had our battles over the years when I was a Porter Down against them. Mm-hmm. I was I actually could have signed for Corrine a year earlier and Stevie was still there. Owen met me. Um, but it just didn't work out. Just but at that time I think Owen knew Stevie was going to move on and wanted to go to Limfield at that time to try and win a title and then eventually I didn't go. And then as soon as Stevie left, he came back straight away and wanted me to sort of replace him. And then sort of turned tables again when I was leaving. Stevie was just ready to come back to Coleraine. So it worked out perfectly. I would have loved to have got a year to play with him. Maybe when I was maybe a little bit younger, not at 33, if I'd have been maybe 30, and Stevie was, like he's a few years younger than me. But he's definitely one of him and people like Jamie Mulgrew and people like Shane McCabe. I think over a long period of time, they've been the top, the ones just right off the top of my head, the top midfielders that I've played against in the league. Michael Galt, obviously. Aaron, what about you? No, I was just going to um, ask Neil, you know, there seems to be a great link between players coming from foil side to the band side, but what is it that makes Corian an attractive offer for players from up around Derry? 
distance. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think obviously, obviously, we're, obviously, we're you no know, Coleraine have to be clever, and it's not easy to get the boys from Belfast to come to Coleraine because obviously there's so many big clubs in Belfast, so they have to try and be clever and and nick it. You no, know, a Ben Doherty who was at Derry City and then ended up in Nolan Glen Avon and thought, you know what, Ben would definitely rather be at a club like Coleraine, closer to home, works full time. And, and look, it has turned out brilliant for both people. I think Ben's loving it up there and he's been outstanding the last few years. And then Coleraine have definitely got the fruits of it. But I just think Owen's been clever. You know, look at people like Kieran Harkin, Darren McCauley, uh, O'Donnell, Stevie O'Donnell. You know, t- taking players from clubs who have not even been in the Irish League very mm-hmm. often, though, playing in the first division and then turning them into top, top level Irish League players. You no. Know, most of these players could have been signed by any club. Terry Sudik maybe could have took a chance on them. A lot of other Irish League clubs, and he didn't. Norton did, and he's turned them. I think it's very similar. You know, a few years ago at Liverpool, you look at it, and they're all superstars now. But anybody could have took Manny or Salah at the time, or do you know what I mean? And that's what Norton, they didn't. And what about, Neil, looking back at your time at Korean, you look back on it fondly or is there any disappointment at how it ended, your time at the club, or is it all good memories from your time at the, at the showgrounds? Oh, definitely. The only thing I would say, I wish I maybe had a thing two or three years earlier so I could have enjoyed maybe. But the thing is, if I had a thing two or three years earlier, London and all would have been too young, these good players coming through. It was just timing, I think. Me and Owen have a great relationship still. If I call him or I text him, he gets back to me instantly. Anything I want to ask him about coaching, I'm starting that journey myself. He always answers a call and always gives me advice. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I think the first year I was there, Owen would say that I helped him quite a bit and kept a little bit of slack off his shoulders by scoring a few goals, getting a few results that we needed at times. And then the next couple of years, I gave him time to develop and build the team. But I loved every minute. I would have loved to have finished it maybe by playing in the Irish Cup final and getting a win. I played in the game three or four weeks before at Lumfield and we actually beat them 1-0 and I thought I played quite well. And I know Brad was struggling that final with an injury. So I thought maybe I should have played the game. I think Owen maybe even might say it. If he could turn back time, Brad was outstanding, a good player. And I think Owen knew that. He was probably going to go to England. But he was injured. You could tell even watching the game. I noticed yeah. it. So I think maybe, that's, I, I, that's my only regret. I would love to have played in the game. I don't listen, Lumfield were outstanding on the day. Do you know what I mean? I think they, they really bothered us. But that's the only thing I would like to have played in the final. But apart from that, I love my time at Coleraine. I love Colin McKendry. has been brilliant with me. Oren, Winky, Trevor, Paul Owens when he came on after. But all of them have been great. And, and like we mentioned Ben earlier, goal-scoring midfielder, you were probably similar before Ben you were noted for your goal scoring as well and many's a good free kick you scored and uh, we had I think some of the fans uh, asking you know what was your favourite goal but in terms of free kicks and goals what stands out for you Neil? Um, I think obviously the main no, the, the 94th minute the referee told me when, <laughs> when the free kick happened if you must, I'm blowing the whistle. If you score, I'm blowing the whistle. And I put it in the top corner against Linfield at one each. But, but I've had quite a few. You know, I think I scored a couple. Two, I think I scored two, two free, a free kick and a penalty away at Solitude and a good one. Scored a few at home. So I've had a few, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you always, as the player, try and 
the, the main moments of if you can score in a final or you scored one something and we just didn't do that at, at Coleraine so just generally enjoying myself scored a few good free kicks and Ben's probably the same as me you see once you get on a rhythm of penalties it just seems like it's easy to score a penalty at certain stages you know but Ben I know he's missed one maybe and he's just recovered and gone again he, he just has that confidence at the minute and he's he's riding the wave and long may it continue mm, it was, Sorry it was just funny last night Ben was saying that he admitted before, even before the game, he knew if there was a penalty where he was going to put them, uh, which is it's incredible, like isn't it? No, no. I, I, to be fair, that's different to me. I, I used to make me mind up, make me mind up when I put the ball uh, down in the penalty spot. Uh, the net is where you need to put it. I think that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how, which that. way it goes in. Stick it in the matter. Yeah. Iron uh, was Iron. Was there any goals run from uh, Neil's time that stands out for you? Um, I suppose for me, I remember standing in the railway end the day he put the free kick in. I think it was against Portadown. And ran you weren't giving me abuse, Arden. <laughs> um, there was a few people I, giving me some abuse. Tell, tell Anogamy to hit it. He scored about two free kicks in his life. For me, that, that was probably the, the standout. But I suppose, you know, supporters... Um, always give their opinion whether you like it or not and that was that, <laughs> I think you were getting a wee bit of stick but um, <laughs> that's the one way to answer the critics just putting one into the back of the net into the real end that was the one that I wanted to go on the most I have to be honest <laughs> I, that, and when it went Oren actually said to me after the game because obviously everybody can hear it at the end of the day it, hey, I was big enough to take it and and laugh about it after when Oren was all even I was going please put this in the top <laughs> one, please <laughs> luckily I, mean, I did just talking about the fans, because obviously Irish League grounds are quite small and you can hear what people say in the crowd, etc, etc. How does that affect players, like individuals? I mean, yourself, you, perhaps, you, as you said, you're big enough, you can just disregard it. Or or does it affect people? It does, I would say it does affect certain people, and especially younger players maybe at times, I think it would definitely affect. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a footballer and you want to play in the big league, you got to get used to it quickly and... I think, me personally, I liked it. I actually liked playing away at Limfield and getting a bit of abuse off of fans or, you know, even, I, the mo people say to me, I'm from Derry, like, where's Limfield? You must have got some abuse. I said, no, Solitude was the worst place I ever went. <laughs> Swear to God, the abuse I used to get there was unbelievable because I was playing for Coleraine or playing for Portadown and there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually liked it. I think I, that's, I went to the, I'd done the radio on the Portadown Balamina game last week and then I went to the, Travelled down and went down to the Dungan and Glen Torn came at 5.30. It's just weird, isn't it? At times watching it now with no fans. I think we're all feeling the same. It must it be is. hard for the players. And look at the title race this year. The play, the Coleraine will be packed. Glen Torn will uh, be packed. Larm will be packed. Windsor. No. Uh, everywhere. Solitude and Seaview. There's six teams really, really go. Uh, it could go anyway, like. It's, pro it's probably, arguably, as I said at the outset, it's, it's probably the tightest title race we've had, had in years where you've got six, seven clubs all vying for it and yet none of us can get in. You know, know it's, it, it is hard to take, isn't it? It is, it is. But the players have to have been excellent. You have to, you know, I think maybe maybe the fans are playing a little part in it where it's so even. I don't know, but mm -hmm. the players have been excellent and it just shows you now the league is becoming more open, the dominance, hopefully, because at the end of the day, even Man City this year, Liverpool last year, you know, if nobody wants to see anybody 20 points ahead with you know, 14 games to go because then you know, <laughs> it's all about now how far City are going to, going to win it. Mm -hmm. It's you no, know, 
where the Irish League actually at. I'm hoping they get down to the Dungan and Coleraine game on Saturday too. I'm actually going to try and go to as many games as I can now towards the end of the season because each game's going to really matter. Yeah, I think well, you brought up the Dungannon game, so we'll look ahead to that now. Neil, you obviously played for, for both clubs, Dungannon and Coleraine, and you sort of touched on it earlier, uh, Dungannon about being a club, but what, what makes them such a good club? Because they always remain competitive despite, I suppose, the lack of funds and they're not the biggest club, but they're always they're always there and punching above their weight, aren't they? I think they have a great knack of you know bringing young players through. You know what helps, and the, the problem with Don Gannon is, is every time they get good players come in and do well, they're going to move on, and that's just the way they are. I think at the minute they have a watch the game. They have a real issue of they have a lot of young young players coming through, but they don't seem to have that wee mixture that they need of senior players. They keep them nice and competitive. I think. They have some good young players, definitely. But if you look at it, Porter Down and Dungannon are the youngest teams in the league by a long way. And that's why the both of them are probably sitting at the bottom of the league at the minute. But the Brighton um, club, I think, it's very similar to Coleraine. I, I spoke, you no know, speak away to people like Shane McCabe, or, you know, Mark McAllister, people that came through Dungannon, though that was their first Irish League club. And they always speak highly of it because it's the way you're treated. You're always treated well. And if you do well at the club, you'll always be remembered well for it, even if you do move on to mm-hmm. somewhere else. It's always good. And Aaron, we were down the, the, the previous game at Stangmore Park earlier in the season. Uh, we all remember how, how that turned out. And I think it's probably say, probably fair to say, Aaron, that that was one of Korean's worst performances of this season. Yeah, for sure, Damien. You know, it was a difficult night for everyone. But um, hopefully they can turn around this time. I remember from, from that night, you know, all I remember was Oren standing at the touchline. He just kept urging the players on, you know, we kept telling them, keep working on it and keep going. But no matter what we tried that night, nothing was really coming off. So, you know, the week after, you know, we started the and put the run together and uh, then you, you go to, you know, the likes of Solitude and one and the confidence grew. So I'm hoping that um, we can win on Saturday and just keep ticking them off. And, and Stephen, I suppose, revenge, it doesn't come into it, but you would like to set the record straight and go down and get a win. But a lot has changed since that time in terms of results and performances. And I suppose a lot of credit goes to the management that they've turned it around with essentially the same group of players. Uh, definitely. As we were saying earlier, like, you know, there were a turnaround since it's probably football has got back up and going again in January has, has been magnificent. And I think Korean have taken advantage of when other teams have slipped up. You know, as Oren always said, it doesn't matter how anybody else does. If you slip up, so you have to go out and win your game first, and then see the other results. So, I think it'll be it'll be preaching that on Saturday because obviously, Dunfermline are playing Cliftonville, and I think Crusaders are playing Lawrence. So, Corian have an opportunity there to maybe close the gap further. But again, it doesn't matter if if Corian don't go and win the three points. Here's a question for you, Stephen, and, and for the rest of you guys: anybody able to predict the starting eleven for Corian against Dungannon? <laughs> That's a tricky one. <laughs> the way the is, last few weeks looking, have gone. Is, is O'Donnell suspended or injured? He's injured. Yeah, he, he came back briefly. What game was it he came back? Was it? Carrick. Carrick came on and then played. He just was substituted just before half time, I think, that night. And, and trainer um, still. Trainer's on his way back, isn't he? Trainer's on his way back. He's injured. But yeah, I, su- I suppose one of the big issues or the questions for Oren faces is picking his team for Saturday because in the last number of games there's been four or five changes game to game and 
uh, what's that like, Neil, to play in a team that's constantly changing? Or perhaps he didn't have the luxury as a manager to do that when you were here? Um, I think that's testament now to the fact that he has such good players. You know, that I think Josh Carson played at left back, is that correct? Yeah, yep. he's been playing left back for a couple and, of weeks now, know, yeah. And Josh is just you know, one of them players that he's technically so good. He's foot lad, good in the ball. He's very intelligent, so we can put him in and tell him what to do. He, he knows how to play left back. He's played in front of a left back for a long time. And people like Ian Parkhill now, who have become seasoned pros in the Irish League, you know, who've been around and always kind of been a, he's, you know, you would say maybe if this first 11 were fit, Perky mightn't play as many games, but he still gets his 25, 30 games every year. And that's and the, just, yeah, just on Ian Parkhill, he, uh, he's 250th appearance for the club during the week there. Yeah, do you know, people like Perky who weren't plucked from, no, obscurity. Nobody would even have looked at him as an Irish League player at the time. And look at him now, as you say, 258 games for Coleraine. <laughs> Fat lad and will play anywhere for you. Any side, left, right, up front. Could do a job. Perky could stick him at right back in a game and he would do a job. He and would. that's the difference. And Curtis Allen, you as you say, Curtis Allen, as you say, you know, see when maybe James wasn't playing or Skinner or whatever, that he come and turns up with four goals in a week and gets he's a big... Nine points in a week is massive, and that's huge, that's isn't it? That's ah, that is that's why that's why Corrine are where they are. Now, two or three years ago, Owen didn't have that luxury that they had a Curtis Allen. You know, Curtis can't play 45, 50 games anymore, he knows that. But Owen might need him for out of these last 12 games, he might need him for five games, and he just needs to make sure that he does what he's doing that can score goals. He's a great guy to call on, isn't he? So, I think Stephen, you mentioned it. A few minutes ago, there's a big weekend of games. It kicks off on Friday night. Carrick at home to Glentoran. Glentoran, one of the form teams in the league. I think Mick McDermott must be loving it. Two wins over Linfield in a week. <laughs> the Glens fans are going mad. How do we see that one going, Stephen? I think you can't see past a, a Glentoran one, the form they're in at the minute. Like, you know, like Carrick have, have suffered badly because they lost so many strikers in the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't got anybody to put the ball in the bag of the net, you're not going to win games. And uh, the Glens just are on the crest of a wave. A bit, a bit like Corey in their cells, like, you know what I mean? And when you get two wins in a week over your derby rivals, that's, that's another shot in the arm, like, you know. So I, I think going. the Glens are uh, it is, like, And as you say, like, uh, Mick, Mick loves it, so he does. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it, it, it's probably the league needs a, a strong Glentoran team as well. Like, you know, they're one of the... No, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it makes it interesting. Like you know, uh, uh, it, it brings it and it makes it more of a of a challenge there. Like you know what I mean. So um, it'll be a bit of another tough weekend, but I think the Glens will be able to come out on top in that one. And Aaron Linfield, we mentioned them beaten twice in a week by uh, Glen Torn. Doesn't get any easier for David Haley and his men uh, home to Cliftonville on Saturday, and that's the last kind of game you'd be looking for after the week that they've had. Yeah, they're definitely hitting a sticky patch at the minute. You know, we were there a few weeks ago and um, I think we more than matched them, even though we were down a, down a few numbers. But, um, you know, the cynical side of me says that I would take another, maybe a draw there or even a Cliftonville win would suit us. But again, it only matters if we look after ourselves and we get the three points and extend that run even further. Uh, Neil, what do you see those two games, the big two, Glentorn and Linfield? How do you see them panning out? Yeah, well, I told you I was at the Dungan and Glentorn mm -hmm. game, and they didn't really play well, to be honest. But you just knew they nicked the goal, 
They're very, very solid at the back. Uh, right back, Reese Marshall, Luke McCullough, Patrick McLean, and Marcus Kane. They're they're strong That's as a back forward that have you've <gasps> seen in the Irish League in a long, long time. And then they have just McDade and two Donnelly brothers and Conor McMenamin is playing out of a skin at the minute as well. So they're scaring me, me now, Neil. Yeah, no, for, <laughs> they're good. They, they they look a powerful, well organized. Their no, their bench is super strong. He's, I was uh, there, and Jay Donnelly was on the bench. Plum was on the bench. Uh, you know, it's, scary. it's a wee bit scary, but listen, it they're, is. they're riding the crest as well, and they, and they will have a sticky patch as well. Yeah. I'd rather have the points on the board and the games in hand. They'll be too strong for Carrick, no doubt. And mm-hmm. Cliftonville going to Linfield, for me, that's 50-50. Uh, at the minute, uh, you don't very rarely see Linfield lose two games in a week against anybody. So the Cliftonville will fancy their chances. I'll go for a draw. Uh, the other two games that stand out for me, Crusaders at home to Warm Point Town. They had a big win against Larne who are away at Balamina in the tea time game on Saturday. So both those sides haven't been in great form. Neil, recently Crusaders did get the win, but they need to get back to winning ways again and quick, don't they? Yeah, they do. Big time, I think. They're, they're coming there a wee bit of a turnover. They've been excellent for five, six years. They've lost a few of their big characters, big players, but I fancy the Crews. I think they'll have enough to just win that game and, and Larn are in a real, real sticky patch at the minute. You know, they have to get out of it quick or they could, you know, as you say, in January, I was saying it could be Larn's league early January. I think a lot of people, were, a lot of people were thinking that, weren't they? It just shows you, you know, what, what can happen in the Irish league. The games are coming thick and fast and they need to change it around quickly. And I think that Saturday will be a big game for them. I know they had a player sent off, didn't they? Sully was sent off, so he's not going to play. Right. He's going to be a That's big right. miss as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, a, he's a big player good for player. them, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, a big player. Big player. So, uh, uh, I don't know. Go ahead, yeah, Sam. I, no, I was just going to say, yeah, you would see Lauren maybe picking a win there. I, I think they will win, but it's not going to be easy for them. No, not against Palomina. And then, of course, Corian away to Dungannon. What are we looking at there, Neil? You have a foot in both camps. How do you see that going? Ah, well, at the minute, I think, Dungannon are really struggling but the one thing they can do and you've seen earlier on in the season and they've done it against Glen Torn a little bit it's a small pitch they can make it nice and compact make it difficult maybe defend deep and stuff like that just Corrine have to not get frustrated if they can get an early goal I think it'll be a nice comfortable day for them to be honest like That's key isn't it Stephen, Aaron both you guys looking for a, an away win I would have thought there yeah, I think as Neil says, like it's you know, Dungannon will try to make it difficult, especially after from getting beat four one in the week there by, by Warren Point. So, mm-hmm. but it's the first goal of Corian get an early goal that could really dent them. Like a very young squad there, Dungannon, and obviously Dixie's in there to, to hold the fort until the start of the next season. So, like their confidence could get shot a bit, but Corian have to go out and produce the goods, like you know, and hopefully get a three points. And uh, Aaron, similar feeling for you, I presume. Yeah, um, as I said, you know, it doesn't really matter about the results around you if, if you don't do your own job. So, um, Warren will be counting on his big players, you know, Stephen Lowry's, Yaron Cannings in defence and hoping that the front men or even midfielders can produce uh, the goods when, when it matters. And if things go the way that we want them to, it could be a case that uh, Corian could be top of the league table on Saturday night. That would make for a nice reading on the, the Sunday papers, wouldn't it, guys? We don't look at yeah, league definitely. tables. 
<laughs> one from the orange first, 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 first journalist I know that doesn't. Uh, uh, Orange maybe Orange maybe doesn't look at them, but I think the rest of us do. But yeah. what would that mean? Well, turning to you, Neil, what would that mean, even on psychological level, if Korean were able just to get to the top of the league come this weekend? What would that send a signal to other teams? Do you think? I think the other teams already know. I know. I don't mm-hmm. think Korean have snuck up here by surprise. I think you know they. Didn't start the season very well, but I think most people knew, you know, don't think they knew that they would go on such a run and be two points off the league. But most teams know that Korean are top side in this league now. They're definitely part of the top four or five teams in the league. So I don't think it's a big surprise. But at the end of the day, these are the banana skins that really put a dent in title races. And this is the difference between the Lumpfields, the Crusaders, the Cliftonvilles of recent times that have won leagues that they don't slip up at places Ooh. like this, especially when you have a big chance to put other teams under pressure, top teams when they're playing against each other. So, Bourne will be telling the players from training tomorrow night, listen, we know this is one of the games that maybe, Limfield away, everybody's up for it. Dungannon away, it's not the same. Players can be a wee bit maybe lax. So, I think Winky Orn and Trevor and Unzi will be right on them from minute one. And I think, start well, put Dungannon under pressure. If score an early goal, then the game could be, you know, you could put the game to bed by half time and start thinking about, right, can we start looking on to the next one? I know we don't do that very much, but you know you have to go and put pressure on teams to score early and then see what you can do from there. But I think Korean just have too much at the minute for Dungannon. Mm, you mentioned Korean being in the top four or five teams. Obviously, runners-up last year, their game this year. Long way to go, Neil, but can you see them closing the job out this year, potentially? Well, uh, that's, that, that, that's the magic question, you know. Mm. Closing it out is only the people who have done it before know what it takes to do it. And Corain at the minute haven't done it. But what they do have now is they have winners in their team. You know, Josh Kersons, Stevie Lowry's, you know, Owen Bank Skinner's won plenty of Irish Cups. No, he's not won a league title. Doogie's there, Winky's there. So they have real experience of what it takes to win, you know, right within the club. Owen's one of them as well as a player. So, and the fact that they've got the cup finals, won the Irish Cup, you know, these are all little stepping stones for where they want to go. And listen, there's no time like the present. You can't think about mm-hmm. next year because next year could be totally different. It's all about now. And Owen will be making sure the players know that. And I'm sure they all know it. It's take one game at a time, one on Saturday, and then straight away on, on to the next game. Fascinating. Fascinating to hear from a player that's, that's been there. And like for us guys in the reporting end of the, the, the thing, we get to see and, and hear a certain amount, but speaking to somebody like yourself who's played and, and knows what, what the crack is inside the change room is a bit of an eye-opener as well. So I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there, guys. We'll just we'll, we'll wait and see what this weekend brings. As you say, there's a long way to go, Neil. Um, so in the meantime, I'd like to say thank you to all my guests this evening, Stephen Crawford, Aaron and Neil, and of course, Neil McCafferty for his thoughts. I think... Uh, it's been insightful and very entertaining listening to you. And hopefully we'll, we'll maybe get back, get you back on again in the future, Neil. Um, no thanks problem. Also, Thank you, man. Not a problem. And thanks also to Corey McShane Production. Great job as ever. So uh, that's it for another week, folks. Uh, we'll be back again next week, hopefully. Um, Corian, no game in midweek. Uh, get a rare midweek off. Uh, and I'll give them plenty of time to prepare for next Friday night's game against Crusaders. So... Uh, All the best, take care, and as always, come on the Bandsiders. Goodbye.